You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter at Detroit is different. And I am in the studio with our token millennial. What's up, Brittany? Peace pipe. Oh, I am doing so well. I am very happy today. It's a good day. It's a very good day in the neighborhood. Mr. Rogers. And how? Well, now it's Janelle Monae. Oh, did you see her performance? At the Oscars? Yes. No. Good Amazing. Job. She saw, redid I, that. I saw she was in the audience though. She was on the stage and called out Oscar So White. It was hilarious. Oh, she did? Yeah. And cause she was um based like I'd always love to have a neighbor just like you. And like going into the audience and pointing at white men. Hilarious. But anyway, um, That's so funny. <laughs> but um I wanna bring Deja in right away. Deja. Hello. Yay. Hello. What's up, Deja? She she's our I would say that that she's our token Gen Z, but we have a silent Gen Z. She's still that's, token. That's she's next, still token. That's next to that's next to her. Me and Deja <laughs> went to make Jenkins last week. It was so hype. It was lit. We walked in, bro. Who Dilla was playing? It was perfect. Oh yeah, Dilla was it playing. Was, I had my little Dilla t shirt on. It was just we had a great time. It Where was, was it? St Andrews. Yes. That yes. was. It was like the first time I've been to St Andrews probably in like five years. Um, we walked in right when Mick Jenkins got on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. And then the DJ in between Mick Jenkins and Earth Gang was amazing. Like, <laughs> it was all white people, of course. Like, I know I never understand that the underground artists, they bring out a lot of white folk. They do. We white rocked out. That was fun. Shout out to Mick Jenkins. Shout out to Earth Gang. How was your week, Deja? It was good. It flew by. I was just seeing the Piper. I feel like we were just here. Mm-hmm. Do feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so tell us more, a little bit more about the show. Uh, Meg Jenkins, I'd say, went in and out of his old stuff and new stuff off the new project, which I think me and her found out that is just like a EP for an album that he's going to release this summer, which is cool because that's a dope. Uh, it's a, it's, I don't even know. I can't even remember how many tracks it is. It's definitely more than seven or eight. But um, it's a dope, it's a dope vibe. Um, so I was, I was happy to see him. That was my first time seeing him in in the city. I saw him at a festival, um, probably like on his the Waters project. So it was kind of dope to see him in the city. He's been, he's always here. Wouldn't you say that, Asia? Uh, maybe I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'd say maybe every two years he's here for mm-hmm. that for you know for him not to be like a heavy release type of guy. I think he's here quite frequently. So it's cool. What you think, Deja? Yeah, I had fun. It was great. I knew it was gonna be a good night when Dilla was playing. When we walked mm-hmm. in. Like <laughs> that said enough. Do you all remember who the DJ was? Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. Just trying to give a shout out just in case. Yeah, it was dope though. It was cool. It was a cool vibe. Earth Gang was good. Yeah, Earth Gang. They were live. Deja was telling me. I know. I've heard like some of like their like of course like the heavy rotation stuff that's like online that you see pop up. Like I've heard like some of their stuff. She was like, "You'll like them." And they were dope. They was real dope. It's like a, they call them like the modern day outcasts. Eh, I think that's a little reach. I think they're in their own lane. Yeah, they're really hype yeah. and live, but. Uh, 
Because they, they got, I see where people draw the comparisons because, like, within Earth Gang, like, they're, they're two different type of guys. Like, they give you they two are. different type of vibes, like Big Boy and Andre give you. They are, yeah. Um, but I think Earth Gang sings a lot. Like, the I, I don't know their names, but the one guy, he's a, a, a beautiful singer, and their stage performance is amazing. So I could see why people would, like, kind of correlate them to Outkast. And they're from Atlanta. Yeah, so they're really big that. on unity too. Oh yeah, like the whole night. That's they. Everybody was family to them. Like that's wonderful. That's true. Yeah. That and sure it felt was. like it. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's a Gen X. I mean, a Gen like, Z thing. The unity thing. Mm-hmm. Collaboration mm-hmm. and that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I say so. Nobody's a stranger. Yeah, it was cool though. It was cool being. What was that on? A what night was that on? Thursday. It was a Thursday night. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was cool. Cool. Remember the Zubar Piper. Yes. Yeah, it was just funny being down there. I was telling Deja about the zoo bar, how that used to be, <laughs> where G- young Jeezy would go and he would come in the city, like being in that like little cuss of that area. It's just been a while since I've been over there. So mm. much other stuff going on in the city now. You don't have to go to like that one dedicated spot. So I don't really see Greek town like that. So it's just interesting being in that vibe again. So it was cool. And I think I told y'all that um, the city, the nightlife mayor is working oh, to get yeah. the um, city to be a 24-hour city. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be even more spots and entertainment, and Dan Gilbert is committed to investing in entertainment. So you we'll see mm-hmm. lots more entertainment-focused businesses and ventures popping up. It'll be interesting to see how that all develops. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad y'all have fun. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what's up. Um, did y'all buy music? Did y'all buy merch? Are y'all, you know, put us up on stuff or who's in and out? Just, yeah, just who's there for the vibe? Just enjoying bounce. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what's up. That's <laughs> what's up. As soon as it yeah, was up. It's like, uh, time to go. <laughs> but they did say they were gonna be. I love artists like that are like in that. They're you know they're part of uh, Dreamville, J Cole's label. So you got to kind of see that. I think early. I'd say probably like. Mid to late last year, Dreamville released like a documentary for their uh, their album. So you could kind of like vibe with all the artists on there. Um, so they're like probably like if there's 10 artists on Dreamville, which all the Dreamville, you got Ari Lennox, Earth Gang. Is his name Jid or J-I-D? J-I-D. <laughs> J-I-D. Um, it's a couple other artists like that. I mean, I think that are pretty well known. But Earth Gang is at the, I'd say at the like at the top tier of, of Dreamville. So you got to kind of see through that documentary, like all of the artists on uh, Dreamville's vibe. So it's kind of cool that they have like this like online presence. But the point I'm getting at is I love that all those artists in that, like uh, that range kind of like make themselves accessible to their fans after the show, not bougie. They're there, they're down there telling you where they're at, take pictures. They probably were probably down there for a good hour, you know? So Cool. Yeah, all right. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. Okay. Um, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. So now we're we're caught up on our pop culture, <laughs> a tad, tad, right? So what's next on our menu agenda? Let's see. What you got? Some you got some news? Well, I mean, politics. Yeah. Well, we see no Andrew Yang. I saw <clears> that <throat> he dropped out last night. Yeah, I heard. Uh, I was kind of salty about that. He made the most sense. What, what's interesting, too, is he just got endorsed by um, Chappelle. Oh, did he? That's right. Yeah, Dave Chappelle had just endorsed him, like, maybe a month ago mm-hmm. or Something less. Something like that. So that's that. I think also, too, um, 
there is a lot of energy going into Bloomberg. I saw that too. So I see a lot of black people telling me they're going to vote for Bloomberg. What do you think uh, about Bloomberg? Stop and frisk. That's what I think about him. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that's his that's what he's known for. You know, Puff Daddy's known for getting jiggy with it. And he's known for stopping frisk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what, you know, what else is there to say? How you a trip pipe. No, I'm just mean. Like, what else is there to say? Like, X marks the spot on Bloomberg for me. All right, I'll ask you one more before we get dig into it. Elizabeth what? Warren. Elizabeth Warren has the backing and endorsement from... The Working Families Party, um, 100 black women and a lot of different black women's groups. Mm -hmm. I don't like that she, you know, is pro banks and pro corporations. That can't be good. I don't like that she is talking about that uh, the after like. 10 after you know it's not even like the billionaire if that's bad enough but her thing is we could benefit off the 10 billionaires like the people who who have like 10 billion and more and i'm like man like uh so she's looking at when she says taxing the rich like the top wealthiest people she's talking about everyone that makes like 10 billion and up like making sure that they get that we get the benefits of their taxes um what else? I think that um, she they trying to do her like Hillary and she's like a Hillary replacement. Mm -hmm. I think that the Republican Party may do one or two things. They might do the bait and switch and be like, we're just going to give you Biden and that's who you're going to vote for or that's going to be your choice. Or they might do like they did again and then be like, well, nobody's got after these primaries and be like, well, nobody's got enough juice and here's Hillary and just throw Hillary in there. I don't know. You know, um, I wouldn't put it past them. I, I'm not sure that the democratic party is going to give it to Elizabeth Warren. I'm not, I'm not sure it. Bernie is like ahead. I mean, in terms of like, a lot of people are getting on the Bernie train, if you will. Not a lot, but enough are getting on the Bernie train. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But a lot of people like Elizabeth Warren because of her education policy uh, initiative. She's supporting HBCUs mm. heavy. She's into investing in the HBCUs. Um, I went to, like, you know, I went before to the education forum. Mm -hmm where she spoke more in depth on that. And so, you know, it remains to be seen. I'm unsure if the Democratic Party is going to give her the nomination. I'm, I'm unsure. I don't know. Okay. Just curious about what your thoughts were on her. Mm -hmm. I haven't really uh, uh, started looking really at any of the candidates heavier. I was really into Andrew Yang uh, just because of his perspective on things and how early on he had a policy and he held on to it and was able to really speak to it. And I thought that was interesting. I don't know about Bernie. I don't know about Elizabeth. Really don't know about Biden. But we can get into that at a later date. Whole another podcast. Yeah. 
You got thoughts, Deja, on any of them? No, I'm honestly just, I don't know. I feel like like Elizabeth might make it mm. toward the end because I feel like, like you said, they're just going to like bait her along maybe. Mm. Or I feel like maybe America might be ready for a woman mm-hmm. because Trump has done what he's done. So maybe, I don't know. I just see a lot of people fed up and I hear a lot of people fed up. But then I also see, you know, Trump 2020 stickers. So same. I don't know. But I just sometimes I feel like they are like America is ready for a woman to be president or just to see, you know, how far we a woman can make it this time. Mm hmm. So be interesting. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, though. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, Biden no, is showing way. his racist slip is hanging. <laughs> <laughs> the visual is crazy it's like a meme yeah and i mean bernie his environmental policy is great like mm-hmm. i said i don't appreciate that he tweeted i don't support bds uh if you don't know bds is the um platform that is pro-palestine you know and it you know rejects the sanctions that have been put upon Palestine it rejects the idea of Zionism it I mean just because you don't support BDS doesn't mean you're terrible because BDS is like one platform and and there's many platforms to join in being pro-Palestine mm-hmm. right that's just one like solution one campaign okay but <clears throat> it speaks to rejecting the sanctions it speaks to Zionism like it speaks to a lot of things some people you know find that is flawed and they have other campaigns to support Palestine and reject the um, Zionist right wing, you know, policies of Israel. And so, um, yeah, you never know, you know, hopefully he's just coming from a place of supporting Palestine, but just not the BDS campaign. Right. Maybe he supports another campaign. I just made that up in my brain. I don't know, but it, but for me to see somebody, him specifically tweet, I don't support BDS, that shows to me that he's possibly been bullied by his funders to say that. Because that's what we saw with Women's March, right? Yeah. Um, last question is for Deja. So I didn't like it. What I'm not going to say what I don't like, but... I didn't care for his tone when discussing reparations on The Breakfast Club and in other platforms. He's when, not feeling re- reparations, but I'm gonna let Deja speak. <laughs> what do you think? One, do you do you? What are your thoughts on reparations? And you know, in a in a quick nutshell, and what you think about him coming out saying he doesn't support reparations? I honestly, I guess I kind of respect it. Because at least he's not using it as a pawn to get us to vote for him. Great point. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of politicians or people in general just use a lot of uh, like flash words or keywords to Facts. to make themselves stand out amongst us or make us interested in them. And I feel like reparations is one of those sensitive topics that will easily tune us in. Mm-hmm. So... At least he's saying it out right now that he doesn't support it. Okay, it's like, all right, well, we can overlook that. Great what point. Else do, what else are you into? So I respect it. Um, 
I think that it is a discussion that needs to be had. Um, I also, like, as far as, like, you know, descendants of slaves as well as descendants of Native Americans, I feel like it is time. It's overdue. Um, You know, our debt is only increasing. That's why they don't (laughs) want to talk about it. But that's why the conversation needs to be had because the people of those descendants, us, were suffering the most from it. So we need our money. On time. (laughs) We need what's ours. Mm-hmm. So powerful, yeah. That's basically it, I guess. Yeah, just interesting because we all are kind of separated um, when it comes to age, and that, that's really it. I think we're very all three of us are like minded. So just interesting to hear. You're 23, I'm 30, pipe 48. So just interesting to see that you know, just because of the age separation, I mean that you know we're not uh, alike in mind and thought. So everything you said, I agree with. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You too, huh? I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we, I mean, and also too with reparations, it's like I say, keep saying it's a 10 point plan. We're HR 40, you know, whether you believe in HR 40 or not, is one proposal that was put forth from, you know, Congressman John Conyers, rest in peace, and uh, 30 years ago. Um, and one point is the check. Another, you know, the other points speak to infrastructure, you know, um, erasing debt, erasing the education debt, erasing the, the, the just the debt, you know, from housing and things, mm. or, um, providing more resources to have access to higher education, providing more resources to have access to equitable um, quality housing and, and equitable quality education and, so deep. on all levels. And that's maybe another reason they don't want to talk about it is because of everything that they'd have to undo. Facts. They everything. Would sh- it would shatter, like, America. It like, would. Wells Fargo Facts. was founded off slavery. Like, ev- everything would crumble. Facts. Everything would crumble. Facts. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. So deep. <laughs> it is yeah. deep. And, you know, whole healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That would... You know, we access to health, to equitable quality health care. I mean, think of all of our systems. And each point is creating the opposite, which would create life affirming, you know, formidable, sustainable, quality, you know, um, infrastructure for us to be able to. I mean, that would be balancing it out. You know, so anyway, that's that. All right. Yeah. So I know this week, actually for a couple of weeks now, we've we've uh, been following um, prison reform. We've been talking about it a little by little. Mm-hmm. So I know that you guys really wanted to dig into that tonight. So I'll let you guys have at it from the angle of uh, hip hop and the hip hop communities uh, touch with it. Well, it's actually two things I wanted to touch on. OK. One of them I want to talk about um, the progress with the with the water struggle. Oh, yes. Detroit's water struggle. OK. And then the second one I want to talk about is the prison reform. Cool. Is that cool? Yeah. So we've been following the, and and a part of, and being active in, the water struggle. And we know about Flint's water struggle. That's with the city of Flint being poisoned by its government, by the state of Michigan, the previous governor, Snyder, who made a decision to switch their water source to the Flint River without consulting scientists and 
decades it had been off limits, considered toxic, and they actually poisoned people to the point where people died, got legionnaires, have um, permanent brain damage and things like that. And that was all because of emergency management and the decision to switch the source. Mm -hmm. Detroit's and, and, and many black cities in Michigan have faced what's called an emergency manager. The, the, each, of these, each of the cities were taken over by an emergency manager. And what happened was the state instituted um, what we would call financial martial law over each city. And so um, with that, they inserted a, a leadership to usurp or take over the elected leadership of that city. So in Detroit, we had emergency management that took over our education system. We had um, emergency management take over all our various systems. And for many, 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 many years, um, going back to Coleman Young days, Coleman Young had been fighting to keep our Detroit's ownership of its water, of our water system, of our water company. Detroit sits on the largest body of fresh water in the world. We're a part of the Great Lakes. Um, That's why it's called the Great Lakes Water Authority? Yes. Okay. And so with that, there has been for decades a fight to take over the water, the, the ownership of the water. And um, in the 21st century, we know that the wars are being fought over the resources. So definitely since the 80s or 70s, we've been seeing um, the increased militarization on nations, including our own, um, over oil. And we see all these wars with oil. And so in the 21st century, these wars are being fought over natural resources. And water is one of the top natural resources that we're, we're, we're seeing where there's increased privatization of water sources increased privatization of um all these all these systems and infrastructure that support you know things that we need in order to survive mm. so with that detroit had gone through emergency management and within that there has been a constant fight to own our water and our water system and that looks like a plan that was instituted to shut off 100,000 people of water in the city of Detroit. So since um, this, you know, since we've been fighting this like water warfare, what I would say is they have, oh my God, it's so interesting and terrible and diabolical. But um, so with that, you've got Governor Snyder, who was our previous governor, the one that poisoned, um, the city of Flint, him and Betsy DeVos, who happens to be part of the DeVos company. And DeVos actually happens to also be, she is the um, secretary of education for the United States. Mm -hmm. So she's the one who's responsible for the privatization of um, the education system. Right. And so with that, her family and the Snyders are part owners in Nestle. And so Nestle is a, a water bottling company and chocolate company and all that. And they're responsible for um, a lot of the, you know, nefariousness that's going on. They're actually 
paying $200 per year. Yes, $200 per year to bottle water out of the Detroit River and sell it back to people. Now, with that, the city of Detroit, um, you know, the water authority has decided that instead of because, you know, they're saying, oh, everyone owes us all this money. So instead of going after corporations like DTE, which is Detroit's monopoly um, energy company that owes, I don't know, millions of dollars for in their water bill or going after all these different corporations that owe, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in um and back fees for like, you know, uh, late water, late water bills, they're going after grandma and them and people in the hood. And they've decided to shut off people, poor people from having access to water. And basically it's an issue where uh, these corporations have, and, and, and we're going to also put some of these politicians in there have decided that they believe water is not a human right. And so on our side, we're saying that water is a human right. If your body is made up of more than three-fourths of water and you need water to live, then number one, water should be free. You shouldn't be paying for water. And we're in a capitalist system, so they've figured out how to regulate, own, and sell water. And to make it unaffordable, to make it poison, to make it inaccessible, um, to me, that's a crime. That's a crime against humanity. Um, and so with that, they, they've doubled up. They've doubled down on poor people. And so they came up with this idea, this nefariously genius idea where let's say if a person owes like anywhere from 10 cents to a million dollars, right? They're going after private citizens to shut off their water and that's impacting people in multiple ways. Number one is cutting off people's ability to bathe, to be clean, to um, cook, to, to, to drink, you know, for, uh, everything they need to take care of wounds, babies, things that elders need, you know, medicines, all that. Um, so there's that, there's that issue, which has caused um, a hepatitis epidemic in the city. Detroit has the highest um, hepatitis A epidemic, there has been a study between Henry Ford Health Systems, Wayne State University, and we, the people of Detroit, have been on the ground with youth, and they've done um, a community data study and shown where it's a, it's a book, it's called Mapping the Water Crisis, where the housing foreclosures, the water shutoffs, and the school closures happened in exactly the same areas. It's color-coded, and they put the maps on top of each other, and you can see that it's all the same poor people in the same areas in Detroit City. And this is where your highest epidemics of um, hepatitis A are coming from. And, wow. And they're hiding the data. Henry Ford Health Systems has access to this data. They have a responsibility to report this data, they're suppressing it because they're currently building their cancer center, right. their new con cancer complex, and they don't want that to impact the people that they want to attract to come live here, do business here. So with that, um, the Detroit Water Authority is going to poor people, grandmothers, single women, you know, uh, folks that are coming back to us, you know, that were uh, recently incarcerated and shutting off their water. 
for like as little as 10 cents, $20, $100, right? And they're saying because they feel that people need to pay their water bill. But my 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 retort is, what about DTE that owes upwards of, you know, million dollars in water bill? What about them? Get you can in 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 five companies, you could get the equivalent of what you're going after 100,000 people to get. Right. Not only are they doing that, but they've made it so that they streamline their system because everybody's in automation. And so if you're on the list for a shutoff, they come to your house and if your name's on the shutoff list and they are removed, they're coming with Detroit Police Department and Child Protective Services and they're removing the children from the home and taking those children and putting them into juvenile detention centers. So they're putting them into kitty jail for being poor and they're charging the mothers with child abuse, neglect and a whole bunch of other charges and they are justifying this because they're saying that people should pay their bills. You know what I'm saying? And so this has been going on for quite some time now. Um, and with that, I have this article here. Well, we, the people of Detroit, shouts out to uh, Monica Lewis, Patrick, Deborah Taylor. Yes. And all Mama Lilica Bill, you know, um, RIP. And a lot of other people, you know, the People's Water Board and everyone that's been in this fight, um, fighting for poor people, fighting for Detroiters, fighting for black mothers, fighting for, uh, you know, um, folks that were recently incarcerated, fighting for children, fighting for families, um, fighting for the working poor, you know. Um, finally, um, the Detroit City Council is preparing to ask Governor Whitmer to declare a health crisis over the water shutoffs. This is finally happening in 2020. Folks have been fighting against this for pretty much, I don't know, a couple decades. And it's only gotten increasingly worse. Um, so it's, I'm going to read the article. It says, um, city officials are drafting a measure to ask Governor Gretchen Whitmer to declare a public health crisis in Detroit and stop the water shutoffs for poverty-stricken residents. The city council's legal staff, at the direction of President Pro Tem Mary Sheffield, is preparing a resolution to urge the governor to take action. Nice. Saying that, and yeah, comment on here, because I don't want to be just like droning along with my voice. Um, saying the controversial practice of terminating water service to thousands of Detroit residents poses an imminent danger to public health. A separate measure will ask the city of and the Detroit Water and Sewage Department to institute a moratorium on shutoffs until there's an agreement on a long debated ordinance for water affordability. Sheffield said affordability discussions have been ongoing for years without a resolution and people are fed up. All the water rights advocates are demanding that we submit and pass a resolution urging the governor to declare a crisis, says Sheffield, adding the declaration of a state of emergency could trigger funding to help. We have a governor that is willing, I believe, to address the issue, she said. The timing is right. The effort would mark the latest call for public health declaration to aid the poor in Detroit after water rights advocates and a group of attorneys made similar pleas in recent years. So when we talk about, um, so the city has a water affordability plan, right? Mm -hmm. And they're calling it a water affordability plan, but it's really not um, a water affordability plan. It is a um, assistance plan. 
And so the difference is between charity and self-determination. So with the water assistance plan that the city currently has, politicians argue that using these words water affordability isn't sustainable, but they're not right. Because, yes, water assistance is not sustainable because what water assistance does is it gives people a certain amount of money to stop the bleeding. Like it's like triage. So it's like we give you this amount, you get put on this program and then you could pay it down and you get this help and support. And while that is very needed, what a true water affordability plan is that the activists, the water warriors are putting forward is that. Everyone would pay a percentage, meaning if you make this 10 cents, then you're going to pay 10 percent of 10 cents. If you make a bajillion dollars, you're going to pay 10 percent or 20 percent rather of a bajillion dollars. In that way, everybody's paying into the system. The system is constantly making money and you're able to be sustainable. People are able to have dignity because they argue that so-called poor people don't pay their bills, but everyone knows that poor people want to pay their bills. Poor people want to work. Poor people want to contribute to society, right? This is, you know, people want dignity. Mm -hmm. And so this the very notion that people just, quote unquote, don't want to pay their bills. People aren't able to pay their bills because the bill's too freaking high. Mm -hmm. And putting everyone on the same bill, if you make 10 cents, and, or grandma's on social security or you're on a fixed income and then this person over here is a bajillion billionaire why are y'all paying the same amount for your water i've had this argument with one of our senators and he said to me you know n-words need to pay their bill and my thing is you can say that from a place of privilege which is interesting because you come from the hood that you would want your grandma to have her water cut off because she can't afford to pay the same amount as you. And grandma them lived life, got to social security. You over here, Senator making great money. You should be able to pay more. You make more. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we had that whole thing. We went back and forth. I was not able to win an argument with him because his whole position is that water is not a human right. And I've been meeting a lot of people, black people saying that water is not a human right. And I'm struggling to figure all this out to me. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. What, those people, did they elaborate on what a human right was? Did they give you an example of what they thought one was? No, they didn't give me an example of a human right. They just feel that, quote unquote, everybody needs to pay for water. But they're coming from a place of capitalism. They're coming from a place of uh, everything is for sale, including them. And so that's where they're coming from. You know, they're not coming from a place of I'm an elected official and I'm here to serve and water should be free. Water should be human right. And I need to do my duty to figure out how to make sure that everyone has access to affordable, clean water so that our society can be healthy. Right. Because when the reason to declare it a public health um, crisis is because where do poor people work? Poor people work at grocery stores. Poor people work in at hospitals. Poor people work at places where you're going to interface with them. And not just because somebody works somewhere, right? But we all interface with one another. And water is one of those things where we're all going to interface with each other. 
It's not about just drinking bottled water. It's about where are you washing your hands, bathing? How are you, you know, and how is everyone having access to this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a public health crisis. I think. I think. That's what elitism does to people, though. Like, you make more money, you begin to feel, you know, entitled to certain riches. And then after a while, that just. That just gets worse and worse. That mentality. That mentality. It, yeah. It just. I, I find it interesting how everything in the inner city, specifically in Detroit, is much, much more expensive than in the suburbs. So. Well, Detroit actually supplies the suburbs and many places in Michigan with its fresh water. Can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. How much is your water bill? Would you say it varies, and that's the thing because now they've added the drainage fee and that is a hustle yeah I was just say so that. that's a hustle for sure you might have had a water bill that would be like 30 dollars 40 50 60 dollars and you could get a water bill that's like 600 dollars yeah my, i think we've talked about this before my mom's yeah. water bill be like 30 bucks mm-hmm you know, I mean, I'm not trying to digress, but I just think it's interesting back to to the book Mapping the Crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Peter. Right. Right. Um, I just Peter Hamer. Peter, Peter Hamer. Attorney just, Peter, Peter Hamer of um, the Damon J. Keefe Center and Detroit Equity Action Lab, who has been fighting to help we the people of Detroit and help them do the research from Wayne State University and put that book together that I told you, Mapping the Water Crisis. I I think with Kari, I helped him, Jaira and I helped him do some film at uh, Marygrove and Peter broke out some of the book into a presentation format. Yeah. And when you look at it, it's just like, there's no way that you can deny that it's systematic. You know, so when you think about parking tickets being $45, you know, you're mm-hmm. the D- Detroit and it's insurance, everything in the inner city specifically. And then you for, always see more cops in the freeway. Yeah. And in the, the parts of Detroit than you do in the other part of Michigan. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to me that, I mean, we don't take a look at how um, things are being systematically uh, positioned. You know, everything inside of Detroit is expensive at this point. You know, it's it's and it's it's completely systematic. Well, it says here in the Detroit News, under a deal reached during Detroit's bankruptcy, the water authority is leasing the city's water and sewer system for fifty million per year. I believe it. That's like wow. Um and so like I said, they meaning the city thinks that the water affordability has to do with, you know, giving people. And that's why the senator says he's against it. He's like, well, we shouldn't be giving people nothing. And my thing is nobody wants you to give them anything. But, I mean, people want dignity and people want to be able to afford their bills. Like people, people want to pay their bills. Like black people of all people are very proud people. Like we're very proud that we could pay our bills. What's the first thing that, you know, somebody tell you this was the first thing black people say, right? (laughs) I pay my bills. My bills pay. I can afford this. Have some of the uh, (laughs) highest uh, house taxes too. Highest property taxes, highest car insurance, highest. So what are you giving away at this point? We are, we are, uh, the traders are, man, this system is a detriment to being able to, to, 
to save money. You can't do nothing in Detroit, really. Well, um, so, yeah, I'm just, that's a whole bunch of other, uh, you know. I'm just saying to the point that you're making, Piper. Yeah. It's not that people don't want to pay their bills, but you have property taxes. You have high insurance rates. Parking tickets, $45 a piece. Um, I just think that people around the country, when you take a look at, we have the largest supply of water and Detroit is outsourcing it. And then the people in the city of Detroit are paying the highest amount for water. It mm-hmm. just doesn't even make sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. You got to wash your hands, right? Mm-hmm. You can't wash your hands if your water's cut off. Mm-mm. So that means that you can't wash your hands, then you got to eat, and then you're going somewhere to work. Yep. So Shout out to Mary Sheffield, too. I know that there's some things politically coming up, possibly for her. Yeah. But um, she's young, very young. I, I don't think she's, she may be 30, right? I'm not sure she's 30 yet. Yeah, I mean, I know she comes from a... a a political, a pretty political family. Would you say was it her dad in the politics? Her father is um, Reverend Horace Sheffield Jr. Her grandfather is Horace Sheffield Sr., who was an activist and leader in the community with King, Doctor King. Understood. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's powerful to see her, especially with the. Uh, I watched her at a uh, city council meeting one time, and I wasn't. I didn't really understand how to read her. But it just seems to uh, seem like she's on a on the right side. I told you a, a few months ago, uh, Dan Gilbert was trying to, or at least his company, Bedrock, they were trying to keep uh, some of the the activities downtown that were kind of blocking off Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And it was time for the contract to uh, be discussed on them keeping that there. And she voted against it. So the fact that she's not afraid to, it doesn't seem like she's afraid to fight against certain particular systems. I think it's a good sign. So especially for her to be so young and have good, good judgment is uh, interesting. So I'm I'm hoping that that this story works out the way, um, that we wanted to her going to the governor about it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean this looks good. Um, so it says the ACLU in November made its case to Whitmer directly, okay, um, asking her to impose a moratorium on further shutoffs. And lend her voice to the call for um, an, a real water affordability plan. Shouts out to um, attorney Mark Fancher with the okay. ACLU. Um, and he's also with the uh, Racial Justice Project. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, let's see what the governor is going to do. Um, I mean, yeah, let's see what the governor is going to do. So we're going to keep looking at this story. Okay. I'm down with it. Yeah. Y'all got any other thoughts about that one? We gotta get it's a human right. I think it's a human right. I know yeah. it's a human right. Yeah, water is a human right. Flat out. Yeah. We're seven what are we, seventy percent water? Some more. Right. You know, we we're us and the earth are made up of water. Like that's that's pretty much what if we are. If anything is gonna be given away, it should be water. I mean, in real life, everything in this society is tied to capitalism, so it's all trash. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it all away. They I just, think um people been hearing my voice talk for a little bit, so I'm gonna come back to my story. I'm gonna go to um to Deja. All right. So Parasite won like so many Oscars 
I was really proud of that movie. I really enjoyed it. A lot of people are complaining about subtitles, though. Really? Yeah. I, I always thought that subtitles made me feel like a cool person when I was watching a movie. Like when you're watching like That's funny. movies or if you're watching like a French movie and you see the subtitles and you're like, huh. I enjoy subtitles. Me too. Especially in like just, you know, foreign films. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It just, I can appreciate it better than it being subbed over. Yeah, like, I, just I don't say, even like anime. Oh my God. Yeah, I hate dubbed anime. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like no, no sub voice substitutions. Like I hate that. But, but I'm listening. Oh, but I was just gonna say I really enjoyed the movie. Um, Break it down to us, Dash. So long story short, it was about like this lower class family that kind of finessed their way into, um, this high class family, like this upper class family. Um, this guy convinced this mother to teach her daughter English. And then he started telling the family about, like, other people, like, they needed someone, they needed recommendations for some things. So he started recommending, like, other people in his family. And mind you, none of them were actually in the field that they said that they were in. So they kind of finessed their way into this high-class family um, and then they started kind of replacing jobs of the people that were already working for the family. Like they got the maid fired, the maid came back and figured it out. Like I don't want to give the movie away if anyone hasn't seen it, but it was just it first. Was, it started sounding like Six Degrees of Separation, how Will Smith was finessing. Yeah, it was really interesting, and I was just it kind of just shows you like the different levels of class, and they mm. talk about it in the movie. Like it was a really good movie. Um, and I also watched another movie. Uh, what was it called? I gotta pull it back up. It was called Train to Busan. It came out in 2016. Um, this movie took place in Korea, but it was about, um, it's like a zombie movie about this guy that is on a train with his family and the zombie outbreak starts happening on the train. So, everyone is kind of like running through the cabs trying to like get away from the zombies. And it was just interesting to see how, like, I don't know. I just kind of imagined it like the coronavirus and like live action. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was I mean, especially after seeing these videos you showed us about it, but yeah, Ugh. earlier today I saw videos of, and I don't know if this, like, I assume it was real because of the security, the data on the security footage that I saw, but long story short, it was just a man coughing on a napkin. Gross. Or spitting on a napkin. <laughs> and wiping it on elevator buttons. Oh my God. And this is in China. Mm-mm. And I don't know if it was real or not. Like you said earlier, Brittany, it feels like propaganda for us to not like Chinese people. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Either it just it, seems, it could probably be a mixture of stuff, but when you see movies disturbing. like you're talking about where they are where these film writers these directors are vividly able to bring things these non-fictional stories to life it just seems too realistic like mm-hmm. i just feel like you know especially when i'm digressing but especially when you see things like the simpsons or like south park and then they're like oh they prophesized right. this happening <laughs> and then it's like okay did they like what's really going on here like 
I don't know, just like movies that are like about viruses and like zombies and like population control and governments who have these like miraculous plans are just like all like triggers for me because it's, it's it feels realistic. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Pipe? You, I mean, because you, you're into, it. You're I into, didn't watch it, but you're into film. Yeah, films. Like, you know, the, the the I think I'm saying I didn't watch that film because I was like, I can't watch that. That's but gross. How many films <laughs> have you seen about viruses and? Um, or I mean, they're zombie it's scary. Well, me personally, I try not to watch any type of zombie movie. That's just not my junk, as y'all say. What was it? Resident, <laughs> Resident Evil's good though. But I'm with you on that. I just can't. I don't, I'm with you. I you can't. didn't even see World War Z. No. I am Legend. No. Shut up. Well, I did see I Am Legend. That was good, and it was about a virus. Will Smith, right? Will you Smith see, was. I am Legend well, I'm stuck on, at like, when you said that was good. I don't know that I think that was a good movie. I'm not sure. If I, think <laughs> it was a good movie. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I'm no, just not that- sure. I think it was. Even it that was movie. A Will Smith movie. Yeah, it was a Will Smith movie. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, I just think it's interesting how the, and especially when you read, you know, go back into time and, and all throughout all type of empires, they've always used film as propaganda. Mm-hmm. They've always used film to shift the mindset or to, or to create fear or to create some type of element amongst their I population. I just think it's interesting that for me personally, the day that I saw the advertisement across the top of Netflix for that virus movie about some Asian country that was invaded by a virus. That was the day that I saw about the coronavirus. Say I'm that like, one more time. So the, that morning mm-hmm. when they announced the coronavirus, mm-hmm. what was it, like a month ago? Possibly, yeah. Why not? That morning was the first morning that I saw the advertisement for the film about there was like on Netflix at the top, they put advertisements for their films that they have, like that they want you to watch. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know. What you like mean. right now they got the Malcolm X one. And so it was right across the top and they'll play a little bit of it. They did it for Kevin Hart and they do it for the different movies. They want you to like, check this yeah, one out, check like, that yeah. one out at the top. And so that morning that the coronavirus broke the news about it was when um, that say, that morning was when Netflix d- debuted or premiered that um, film that you're talking about, Deja. That's the um, Asian. Uh, is an Asian country. Train to Busan. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Train to Busan, where it's like you see the picture of this Asian country, and then um, there's an outbreak of some virus. That's why. And I was like. Really? And I, I actually like had opened up my Netflix immediately. So I had seen the pro, I had seen the art, the um like the news thing all over my Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I opened up my Netflix because I was going to watch something. And then that was what flashed across. And I was like, are y'all kidding me? Right. Really? I know. I, the, That's the, how I felt. The, the timing of things are just yeah. interesting. Like, you y'all know, promoting this film on the day of the coronavirus, really? And I also think it's interesting. We talked about Deja showing us these videos. I mean, it's always it's always interesting to be in a different country, have a different type of culture. And Asian culture, for how I perceive it, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a mystery to 
many, you know, for me it is, you know, we come, you know, we're in Detroit and those, you know, people don't, there's a lot, the Detroit, Michigan is, I think is a diverse, it's pretty diverse. We have all different type of cultures here, but I would say Asians, when I say Asians, the Chinese culture, um, Vietnamese culture, Japanese culture, they're known to have mystery for reasons. There's an ele- an element of mystery to them. There's it's something, um, you know, about them. It's something about all different types of cultures. And I don't say that in a derogatory way. I actually think that's one of the things that I love about Asian culture is rich um, and it draws you in. Um, but I say that to say it's just always interesting to see, to be so far removed from a culture and to not really know much about it. And for these type of things to like come out about, you know, viruses and things and where they come from and how they get started. And then, you know, you don't know much about the culture. So you're trying to really understand like, okay, is this the government? Is this propaganda? Is what's the truth behind it? You know, you know, it just is it's interesting. But it's also interesting to note what denotes um quote unquote right like Asian culture because there's Malaysian yeah Vietnamese Filipino Southeast Asian yes cultures Muslim you know mm-hmm. Southeast Asian cultures you got more conservative um you know cultures that center whiteness or you know center Western uh what do you call that like valuing the the, the west mm. right when mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm you know just kind of being a little more general but you have different cultures on the continent of asia and then you know the big debate what about india india is a part of asia right right and they never get considered to be asian, asian. you know um and then folks like filipino who are you know, colonized Asian from the Spaniards that have a little bit more of a kind of Caribbean kind of <laughs> feel. You know, they're very different very. than, let's say, like a Chinese type of culture. And then 100%. you have multiple different types of cultures within China. Very true. You know, different types of within cultures, Asia, within yeah. different languages within China. So even mm, that's what you're there's no like... Chinese culture right like no singular like Chinese culture you know even within China there's various languages various cultures um so yeah I mean I just it's just interesting and I did use the word Asian country just to you know um, tap my hand I mean yeah like so that's a whole thing I need to bring my friend Shane on here with his crew um to talk about you know dig deeper into understanding more about just culture in general. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. deep, it's rich, it's heavy, it's dynamic. It's, 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 it's a lot. So when you get angles of, you know, th- like a, like the, the uh, coronavirus, it's like, okay, it'd be, it's just, it's interesting just how our media plays it, how our media plays on it. Um, and it seems, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's never rich in rich in how um, any type of Asian culture is really presented in America. Shit, our culture ain't even presented right in America. So, um, but then I was looking at the there's a 
uh, an exiled Chinese billionaire that you guys may have seen in a different context. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I'm going to go with uh, Guo Wingu. Spell it. Uh, G-U-O. And then this last name is spelled W-E-N-G-U-I. He was exiled a while back. Um, is it Guo Wingi? That's it. Oh. So he came out recently. I think it may have been, let's see. Let's see when it's three days ago, two days ago. So with the, all within this week, uh, that uh, it's over the 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 death toll is over fifty thousand. Over one point five million have fifty thousand. That's a lot of really, people. He said, really, the amount of people infected is one point five million. And I wait, s- are you saying died or infected? Billionaire whistleblower Wuhan. Corinna's virus death toll is over 50,000. That's a lot of people. He claims based on the number of bodies from the furnaces are burning, the death toll could be as high as 50,000. Wow, furnaces have to burn the bodies. The official coronavirus death toll in China is little. They're saying 800, but he's saying that that's just, it's not even close to being that. He says over 1.5 million people have been, truly have been affected. So when you see, I wonder where he's getting his numbers. Me too. Me too. Um, he I mean, to be able to count one point five million had, people. He says he has claims. I don't doubt he him. Claims to have inside information. Um, he Maybe from the hospitals. Just, yeah, I was thinking he has to be looking at like hospital records in order to know who's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so he did a whole press conference, and I think he does stuff like this. Who all did the he time. do the conference with? Uh, Let's see here. Can't really say. And I want to say a press conference. Um, he's on a. It looks like he was on a show. I can't really tell, but it, it's something news. Um, Is it something like over there, like one of their channels? It doesn't. It doesn't really. I see that it's talking about this on the side of what I'm looking at. It has the movie that Deja was telling us about too, like on the side. Which, but I can't. Well, what's the source you're reading? The source I'm reading is. Um, this one is CCN, <laughs> but there's another one uh, that is another source, Arts Shiva. I saw it on uh, BuzzFeed. Uh, I saw it on World Star Hip Hop. Um, let's see here. Um, also, there's another website. What's CCN stand for? Girl, I don't, I really don't know. Mm. Um, so who knows? That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's, uh, it's all over the place. You hear stuff like this and he's, he's very controversial. So I don't know what to believe or to believe him, but I mean, every day is everyone has a different perspective on what it was truly going on. And I really, I really don't think a lot of people do know what's really truly going on over there from an American perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just interesting to see how it's all going to play out mm-hmm. with that virus. Um, Let's but see what CCN is. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, ccn.com. So New York. Uh, never mind. We'll have to look it up. You know, like for real, for real. And he's always doing something controversial. Like, so who knows? Like, he was in a New York uh, New York Post um, <laughs> saying he, you know, they saying he's a spy. Uh, so he's very controversial. He's always kind of. He see he sued CNN is saying mm-hmm. in August of last year. Um, I'm not really too familiar with him. I have seen his name in and out of art, certain articles and online, mm-hmm. but I just think it's interesting that he came out 
And then I saw earlier today that they're saying um, a lot of the people who are, quote unquote, giving information about the virus mm-hmm. have, been, have come up missing. Oh, wow. So I don't know. Um, but I just think, you know, it's tough to for us to really talk about it uh, just because it's, it's not much. Uh, we, we don't know really what's going on. We know that there's a virus that's affecting people. Um, it, 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 it's come to America somewhat. Um, and it's, it's, we do know it's, it's, it's a deadly virus, but other than that, we don't know much about it, but I do think it's interesting. Deja and I were talking about, you know, and this brings us to our next segment, nutrition and health, unless you want to wing back to politics. I don't know how you want to do it. Pipe. I think, well, are you cool if I talk about, um, the, uh, just well, I just wanted to read this one thing because mm-hmm. we all, we were talking about Jay Z, and well, it's a few different things. So one, um, where he's invested because he'd been criticized right for for a lot of things, but um, for one, he'd been criticized for um, be investing in some technology that um supports the prison industrial complex like that app and um but he's also been credited with investing in um more being awareness around um like bail reform and being a part of you know the the prison and bail reform movement and so um there's this video i found deja likes the music um but it had you know it's one of those videos where it's got like the commentary like written mm-hmm. into it. So what I was going to do is I was going to play the video. Okay. And like read the commentary. I don't know. We've never done this before. So hopefully you can hear me pretty good. And like hopefully it works out. And if you go on YouTube, this is, um, I never heard of this channel. It's probably pretty popular, but it's called Black, B-L-A-X-T-I-O-N, Black Sheen, I suppose. Okay. And the title of it is called Jay-Z Gets the NFL to Commit $100 Million to Criminal Justice Reform. So the title struck me, and on here they kind of give like a recap, so I'll try to read along. Jay-Z has gotten the NFL to commit $100 million to criminal justice reform. Last August, Jay-Z and Rock Nation partnered with the NFL. The deal gave Jay-Z and his company input into the Super Bowl halftime show. Additionally, it gave Jay and Rock Nation a stake in Inspire Change, a league initiative that's the NFL League initiative. It's an economic and social justice advancement, police relations, community relations, and criminal justice reform. As a result of the deal, Jay was publicly criticized for aligning with the league, the NFL League. At the same time, Colin Kaepernick did not have a job. Jay, a previous public supporter of Kaepernick, came under fire. Former ESPN turned... Atlantic staff writer Jamel Hill basically outed him (laughs) and Jay-Z helped the NFL backlash against Colin Kaepernick. So other, you know, platforms were condemning him and accusing him of capitalism. Uh, 
And so in mid-November, the league arranged a workout for Colin Kaepernick. We all remember that. Sources close to the situation credited Jay-Z and Rock Nation in a meeting of the two parties. However, Kaepernick was not signed following the event. So Jay-Z spoke to New York Times, um, Catherine Roseman, about the situation and Rock Nation's many social initiatives and company divisions. And Jay also faced his criticism head on. They got a lot of visuals here. He reminds them of his cause as long as real people are being hurt and marginalized and losing family members, then yes, I can take a couple of rounds of negative press. Mm -hmm. Jay and his team have challenged the bail bond industry. They've paid for the release of incarcerated fathers. Films have been produced surrounding the lives and deaths of Trayvon Martin and Khalif Browder. Rock Nation has paid legal fees for various parties that they feel are being wrongfully oppressed. And Jay-Z says that money was never the objective of the partnership, which is interesting. Mm. He also responded specifically to Colin Kaepernick's plight. This is what Britney wants to hear. No one is saying Colin Kaepernick hasn't been done wrong. He was done wrong. This is Jay talking. I would understand if it was three months ago, but it was three years ago, and somebody needs to say, what do we do now? Because people are still dying. We are two adult men who disagree on the tactic, but are marching for the same cause. This is Jay-Z. So anyway, that was basically like, you know, what they had to say about it. I put I brought up that one because Britney's the one who's always asking about, but what about this Jay and Kaepernick you know why? situation? Because I'm in my mind, I'm torn, to be honest with you, because I'm a huge Jay-Z fan when it comes to being in that booth. It ain't much. It's not many people better than Jay. Jay grew me. Jay's perspective of the streets, Jay's perspective of life, the blueprint one, two, and three help my hustle, my hustle mentality, me, me being from Detroit, but listening to Jay. So, um, I've always, always, my only beef with Jay coming up was his social responsibility and his recognition of it. You know, he made songs that always talked about, like he could be a Twilight Kweli, you know, song, dumb it down, you know? So I've always have wanted Jay to do more. I've always wanted Jay to be more involved and to realize his true effect and his true power. And I never, I, I'm a strong believer in respecting your elders. I'm a strong believer in, and knowing when to close your mouth, even when you know you're right. And I've never liked the way he talked to, you know, Harry Belafonte. We have talked to tell you that all the time. Um, there's a couple other uh, people that have uh, spoken out trying to, publicly against Jay when it comes to his recognizing his social responsibility and power. And I never liked the way he responded to it. So I've always wanted him to do more. So this situation post, you know, 444 is just weird. You know, now I have my own opinions about Colin Kaepernick and I love the brother. 
um, when it comes to specifically wanting a job in a, in, 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 a, in, a, in a racist organization like the NFL and does he truly even want one? Now, the last statement that you made was interesting. I never, I never read that about Jay saying that they're two grown men that have two different perspectives but are marching for the same cause. He said that when your favorite commentator, Stephen A. Smith, was going through his antics. Oh, okay. And he said that when the, I think was it the day after the workout? It was around the workout time. My- and um, remember every remember when the workout thing happened? Yeah. And then Jay was getting a lot of backlash. Remember? Mm-hmm, I do. And then um, Stephen A. Smith went on his rant. You remember that? Yeah, I didn't like it. And remember, like, Jay spoke out, like, right? It was right around, it was around that time. You remember? I I, I, I remember, but I don't remember exactly what was that. I didn't really look into that's, it. That's when it happened. Because, like, like, Stephen A. Smith, I don't remember the exact timeline. So, um, but I... I kind of do remember that it was right after the Stephen A. Smith rant. Yeah. And then that's when Jay spoke out. And, well, because what happened, remember, everybody was saying that Jay set him up. You remember that? Set up Colin? Kaepernick. To do that and to do to do the to do the uh, trial or to fail? Well, they were basically saying that remember when Jay had that meeting with the um the open press well it wasn't really a press like conference. like a kind of press conference yeah 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 the, um with the and, commissioner right yes mm-hmm. and so remember he got a lot of flack mm-hmm. because he actionable items and that's when he um <laughs> you know that's when it was revealed that he had struck up that deal with the NFL to do all of the halftime show stuff well that's when we found out about it but yeah prop, but Obviously, as we found out the last um, episode, that stuff was had been happening because, you know, when was Beyonce twerking on um, halftime 2016? <laughs> <Chill>. <laughs> and so. Right. So, I mean, I'm going to believe that it's been since then. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I found out that he had been, you know, uh, tasked, uh, you know, assigned to curate the halftime show, that's when I found out was when the whole Kaepernick workout thing happened, which was pretty much around the time when Jay did that interview with, with the NFL. So, I mean, I'm going to say this, like with the Kaepernick thing, I think I'm pretty solid on how I feel about Kaepernick and it's taken me a while to come to this, but him bringing, (laughs) him bringing the things that he brought to light through his, his, his protest through vision, the kneeling, the socks, the t- shirts, the black pants. He he pulled from a lot of different places when um when when he was still in the league and how he protested. I mean, everything was a statement. He understood. You can tell he's very well read, and you can also understand the stuff that he read immediately impacted the way he moved. You know, the the afro reminded me a lot of the Black Panthers. Reminded me a lot of the the Olympic team. The uh, the track team that when they got their medals they threw the fist, you know everything everything was is a, was a statement and I think that that's powerful being in the type of league that he's in like not the NBA the NBA is a totally different type of organization like the NFL 
if you want to talk about what's the type of wrestling that they do that they did during slavery um oh. it starts with the m uh, mandingo mandingo wrestling is that what it is that was in Django. Where you got the mm. you got the two, where you got the two big black guys, the most burliest one, and they're trained to wrestle each other to almost to death. Mm. Like the NFL is like when I think of like black men working for ninety nine point ninety nine percent white ownership. Like that's what comes into my mind. So the fan base, you know, the reason why I mean, you look at the fan base. The fan base is pretty diverse. Everyone loves football, but. You just even look at the backlash he got. You got to see really who the NFL's fan base truly was. You know what I mean? As far as like people, people wanted to boycott on both sides. Like people wanted to boycott the NFL because um, they didn't. They did, Colin bought such an important matter to to them and the way that they took the stance on the kneeling. And then you had people who wanted to boycott the NFL because they thought that they weren't um, doing enough to discipline the players for doing the kneeling. So mm. Colin. Is when it comes to Black history and when it comes to following those uh, um, before you and how to properly protest, mm-hmm. A plus. Okay. Now, as far as wanting to have a job and being mistreated, right? So mm-hmm. systematically, them leaving out him out of the league is is completely wrong. Okay. And I see where anybody, Jay Z. From you, from Deja, will want to protect him, right? So mm-hmm. I'm bringing Jay back into it a little. But where I have a tiny bit of conflict, and I think you guys can add into this on my perspective is, if I come into Kari's house, this house right here, mm-hmm. and Kari has a bathroom where the kitchen is, mm-hmm. and systematically that don't make sense to me. But I'm on Detroit is different. I choose to come here. At no dollar amount where people are charging people to do podcasts nowadays. Mm-hmm. I'm using his his lights, his electricity. We have some type of barter system in place, but this is his house. Like, it's his foundation. And he chooses to have a toilet in his kitchen. And I tell him and I show him the weirdness in it. The, he doesn't have a toilet in the kitchen, by the way. No, not even close. <laughs> I just... And I try to tell him that he's wrong because it smells for all the podcasters and I start to protest legitly right. But I try to tell him how to basically run his operation. Mm-hmm. The point I'm getting at is, is you can't have your cake and eat it too in 2020 to me. And when you have a country who's built on when the relationship of the oppressed and the oppressor. So I just don't think the way that if he truly wants a job in the NFL, you can't shift the mindset of people who are systematically racist. Mm-hmm. It's their house. So either you're going to play in a Mandingo league or find a way to craft your own. Mm. So that's my perspective on it. Like, I just think it's interesting. Like at some, at some point in time, it's the, it kind of goes into the conversation of, I don't want to be in anybody's presence that don't want me there. Like, mm. I just don't. Like, I'm not about to beg you. I'm not. As so, if once I've tried to make my point to you, and you've systematically have told me you don't want me anywhere around, and you don't value me, mm. I get the principle of it. I think but that's I'm straight. Her generation too, though. Maybe so. You mean the millennial generation? Yeah, like her and under, like you and under. 
So years. like her generation, your generation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just t- that's my perspective. Like, because you, you, tr- yeah, you're trying to be in a league that is a is a ninety nine percent owned by white people, and you're gonna try to tell them, which you're right, you're right, but it's like you're gonna try to tell them how to run their organization and what they should be doing. Now, can you protest and can you make a point? But when you decide to me, when you decide to be like me, I work for. A white organization. Mm-hmm. I choose to wake up every day and play the role. Mm-hmm. There's only so, and I hate, I know this has been debated. Like, if Otis, shouldn't have said it, but if Otis decides to do something systematically that I think is wrong, mm-hmm. mentally I have to ask myself, do I want to be associated with this company? It's not that easy to just say, I'm about to quit. Right. Yeah. So I'm, be, I'm 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 not being facetious or I'm not being unrealistic, but you have to start to ask yourself these type of questions when being black in America in 2020 and what you really doing when you plugged into the matrix. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You either can build with the resources you have, which there's tons of them, or be a part of the capitalistic society the way the way that well, they present it. Or there's lots of options. But I think I think I think to say that there's only two. There's lots of options. There's lots of options, but so let me correct myself. I think there's that, seven billion people on the planet. Agreed. And there's you know there's many options. I think where philosophically, you know, some people believe in an inside outside game. I believe in that too. Some people believe that you can't win, so stay away from the system. Some people believe. That you can't make it on your own. Part of the so end. you need to be in the system. So there's 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 many many different types of options and hybrids of options part of as the, well. But part of the inside out strategy mm-hmm. is to understand how to play once you decide you're gonna be in. You can't. It, it's that's what I mean by like is I need to correct myself. You're right. You're 100 percent right. There's different ways. There's uh, there's tons of options. But when you choose that option, you have to play that game per that option. It's just a fact of it. Like it's history. I'm I'm not just pulling for I can get if you ask me what time frame to give you an example. If you gave me a time frame, I could give you an example. So we have to start. Charlamagne God. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? I think that's a good example. Charlamagne, how he plays the game in and out. Yeah. Yeah, he's in. He's in there, yet he brings on a Claude Anderson. Yeah, yet he brings on yeah a uh, Dick Gregory. You know, I'm not feeling the Tariq Nasheed or the Umar Johnson. You know, you, no, you no get a couple perfect. of those, but yeah, he no, thinks no, those no. are conscious. But um, <laughs> but the concept of what he's doing, or bringing on Malik Yoba yeah. and having a having that conversation about mm-hmm. you know in a way that. You know, um, maybe shoot five years ago wouldn't have happened. Now, now and I'm not saying that that was a great or perfect conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the fact that he brought Malik Yoba on to have that conversation. Yes. Um, I think is an example of inside outside. How successful that was remains yeah. to still be debated. And just to wrap up, so because I'm not I'm to end, so I can bring it back to Jay. Like, okay, it's just too much that goes on that 
I realize that we don't see. So it's it's too much to just even try to speculate, like to really like come to a conclusion on what's going on and where people are. Like I don't know Jay Z. I don't know Colin. Like I don't know these people. And I'm doing I'm I'm basing what I think based off of like fifth, sixth, ten party remove information. Like, but I will say I've never been in a position. I've never had that much money. All I can go off of is like what I'm doing right now. So survey says, well, what I'm doing right now, I work for a white organization. Like I haven't, I haven't put myself in a position to like, be like, okay, like I'm about to work, you know, like all the way for myself. I'm in and out too. I'm real in and out and I have a plan, but I haven't cold Turkey the system. Like even with the resources that I have. So Jay, like on the other hand, like it just would be interesting to see at this day and age, like, people say for you know building i mean building, uh it isn't um ice cube creating a some football yeah. organization he got his big on big three on three he's what i don't know does he have his own um production company too i believe he's had that cube for a vision, while cube vision. Yeah, so yeah. like it's like it just would be interesting he's, to had, see. he's been doing his films out of that for a minute it'd be interesting to see on a like on a more collective scale like what would happen if we if we unplugged it would be great to see it would be great to visualize maybe that's what my kids will do Maybe that's what my kids' kids will do. I don't know. But I, the Jay that having to be, to do the in and outs and like, okay, I do this, I do this and negotiate. Like, maybe that is a part of what we have to do. I mean, survey says it is, but you would just think that someone at that magnitude would, it would be interesting to see. Like, I mean, I guess the ace of spades, like everything just still seems like real, like plugged in. And I just would like to see what people of that stature, like what it would look like if, they became less dependent on the system. Well, so I don't the know. very nature of the consciousness is that that's the well, right? That's where the source is. And so it, the, the shift in consciousness would be a realization that you have everything you need and you don't need more. So the very consciousness has been success is tied to this idea, concept of more. So the shift will be in, I don't need more. I have enough. Mm-hmm. You get it? Yes. And so that's really where it is. I mean. Now, but something like prison reform, do you need some people, do you need a system like that to really, to, do you need a system like that to really tackle prison reform? Maybe. A like, system like, like what? Like like the NFL, like where it leads back to like people being plugged into like, like you walk into a room and like, now that you've, now that you are in that position, like now that, now that you are uh, working in, in coordination with the NFL, does it allow you to be in a room with people that can help you and your mission because of the way that they're plugged in? So that's the reason why you've even tapped into that. I would say that honestly, there's multiple ways to tackle those issues. One way is to destroy the prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. That's a work. That's a body of work. Another way is to create alternative healthy systems so that people don't get into that system. Mm. And there's everything in between. And then also fix the system. Fix what? Fix prison in general. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's okay. (laughs) Like that don't even sound like a concept. No, but I'm saying like just the mistreatment that happens there. If if 
If you're saying that that's a, that would be a just transition. A yeah. You're saying that that since there is a system that exists that is a prison, then that system is so inhumane that it there has to be a way that in that current system things could be reformed. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There needs there should be some refuge, like say I don't know, an example of someone going to prison for, you know, selling drugs or something like that. Like, say they were selling cocaine and now they're locked up for, like, 30, 40 years. Mm. So that's not, like, it is a crime, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying, like, they shouldn't have to, there should be a sort of system in place for different crimes Mm. so that people can rehabilitate themselves depending on why they were sent there. Mm. You can't just throw everybody in the same, you know, environment. Everybody has different things going on. I mm. agree with you. Yeah. So. And <clears throat> and healthy ways mm-hmm. to help them heal. heal and be able to integrate yeah. like we were back talking, into yeah. the yeah. society. It's yes, almost yes, impossible yes. to do to 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 the system is set up, it's not designed, especially not designed for, for you that. to come out and be able to bounce back. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it's designed for you to go back. Yeah. And so... Up in there. Do y'all for them think to get their check off you. Do you think it's a boss move from the standpoint of... Because the storyline is Jay-Z got the NFL to give $100 million towards the cause of prison reform. Is that correct? Yeah. They Or they negotiated that somehow, some way. I don't know the lines in between it. Yeah, I don't know so what is that the a deal bo- actually looks like if it's actually a hundred million in dollars, or I don't know what the actual deal looks like. Okay, what is that? What? How do you feel about that? I guess I should take that. Like, I mean, it it does depend on what the deal looks like, right? Like, it sounds good, right? It sounds like, ooh, that sounds great. Um, prison is a multi like billion dollar industry, you know. And, um, you know, it's all tied to it's like the prison industrial complex is tied to the military industrial complex is tied to the, you know, the medical industrial complex, like all that stuff is all tied together. But there's so much money being put into private prisons and just prisons and policing and policy and legislation and just stuff in general. A hundred million seems like five cents or 10 cents at a problem like that. So that's one thing. I think what is the money going towards? Because like we said, well, it's going towards bail reform. Um, and that's an important issue. I think so too. I think the fact that there is, conver- I think the positive thing is that there is conversation, which is making it more popular and on people's radar that there should be bail reform, that there should be prison reform. Me personally, I'm an abolitionist. I think the whole system is trash and needs to be done away with. Shout out Deja. Um, (laughs) But I also think, I understand what Deja's saying, that if you're in that system, then there needs to be ways Mm -hmm. that your humanity can be preserved and that you can come back to us whole. And... um, yeah, so a hundred million sounds like not enough money to really do much. Um, I mean, in the landscape of the damage that prison is doing, and so 
what is that like what is the hundred million going towards is it going towards education is it going towards food is it going towards um you know like 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 what what are what are they spending money on so i think that that is something that needs to be investigated that's something that we need to investigate like yeah you know what does that mean what yeah where does yeah how does it even flow like how does it translate into support or help yeah you know what does it look like i like to be a part of like a i like to see what like if their agenda is an initiative like kind of like the uh just the transition like how you guys are realistic and saying like okay like yeah we need an agenda these are the things that we all care about but it to even get a true agenda is going to take time so we're going to use the this year to do this this year to do that and hopefully by 2021 we'll be here we don't know what's going to be here in 2021, but by 2021, we want whatever we come up with to be slotted and organized and understood. Is that kind of, would you say, am I describing it right? Well, I think in stages, things have to happen. Transformation doesn't immediately happen immediately, you know, like. But um, from the point of you saying stages, not to cut yeah. you off. Okay, like medical marijuana is almost not a thing anymore recreational marijuana is the new thing like just like how when medical marijuana hit like oh my god like everyone was trying to figure out like what does this mean now recreational marijuana is the thing everyone is trying to everybody has been in certain marketplaces trying to invest in marijuana but now that it's is growing into recreational everybody wants a piece so that means when you talk prison reform on low-hanging fruit levels like, is there a plan to get people who have been who are in jail or in prison because of marijuana? Like yeah, records expunged and things like that. Yeah. Like that's to me low hanging fruit. Like it Mississippi, is Mississippi. Like I like what him and y'all got here are doing. When you look at these pictures of these in, inhumane conditions, you got six and seven prisoners laying on the floor. Like that's low hanging fruit. So like. Where, like to your point, where where do you start? Like where do we get the most effect? How do we even track that? So it just would be something interesting to see. Like when you talk and about- I don't think there's a like, and I think that when we talk about solutions, things are so complex and so convoluted yes. that I don't think that we should be talking about things in terms of what is the solution, what is yes. the thing. The there's so many things that need to happen. Yes. So many things need to happen. That's and they true. all need to happen at the same time. That's true. So that's true. There needs to be health care and in, in all of what that means. There needs to be, you know, healing and all of what that means. And everything in between. Understood. You know what I'm saying? Everything in between. And and making people whole again. How do you make people whole? They done been somewhere and been dehumanized and then they coming back to, you know, um, a society, most of them impoverished. How are we making people whole again? So this is, you know, this is important. We will keep looking at, you know, this prison reform, bail reform issue. And I say, you know what, in the scheme of things, shouts out to Jay-Z yeah. for highlighting um, the issue. I say that too. I say that too. Um, you know, I'm I'm tough on myself. I'm not tough on like everybody, but like people like Jay, who, you know, I'm tough on him. Like I, I I hold him accountable. Let me just be real. Like I hold myself accountable, and I hold him accountable. Um, I hold a lot of people accountable. That's just I think part of life. And so I like what he's doing. Like I like the fact that he's 
it seems like he yearns to do the right thing and wants to be on the right part of history. Now, I think we're all in some way, shape, form, or fashion attached to this capitalistic society in our own way. Uh, so the way it seems like he's tied in is it, some, I, I don't understand it all. Like I, I prefaced it by saying like, I don't know him. Like I really don't care about his day-to-day life. Like, I care That's about hilarious. Don't say stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't like I have a, a there's so many people here on a local level. Like we just you just took me to the most amazing place I've seen in years. Like, yeah, we had to get her on a podcast. Like That's the type like that. If I'm going to care about something like mm-hmm. I'm going to care about something like that, a lady like that more so than a, a, a figurehead. And oh, I love wait. Jay. I love Jay for for what he's in my life for, which is music, you know. But at the same time, if you're going to be doing. Uh, or practicing collectivism, like I want to hold you accountable. Like, well, speaking of which, um, I wanted to go into uh, our Black History figure. Yes, is that cool? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. Have y'all heard of Fannie Lou Hamer? Sounds I have, familiar. but I can't tell you what she is known for. So um, she was a voting and women's rights activist and community organizer Mm. and a a leader in the civil rights movement. She was a co-founder and vice chair of the Freedom Democratic Party, which she represented at the 64 Democratic National Convention. And Hamer also organized Mississippi's Freedom Summer, along with the um, with SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. She was also a co-founder of the National Women's Political Caucus, which is an organization to uh, created to recruit, train, and support women of all races who wish to seek election to government office. And um, so, you know, Freedom School comes out of the Freedom Summer when they went down to Mississippi in the 60s mm-hmm. to um, register uh poor black voters mm-hmm. and remember the um the uh black panther party symbol of a panther comes out of because the the party that was in mississippi at the time had the panther and remember when they went down there they were um registering you know all all types of people, sharecropping people and all types of people down south. So they were teaching them literacy. They were imp- helping them empower themselves. They were, you know, lots of people drove down there to help. And um, so uh, be, by, by people not actually being able to read, they would see that panther and they knew that it was the opposite of that pig because that pig was the symbol for the other party. And many of the police were part of that party, which is part of KKK. Like that was that whole thing. And so um, anyway, just wanted to kind of connect that kind of, you know, that history. But um, she was really, really important. Um, What I like about her is that um, she represented like every woman and every person. And she was, quote unquote, like just a regular woman you know what I mean? Like she didn't come from the scholarly world. She didn't come from money. She didn't come from what you would consider like these other sort of um, backgrounds. You know what I'm saying? Like at the time she came from 
I mean, she 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 came from humble means. You know what I'm saying? She came from um, a uh, what you would call a regular family and a regular like black experience. She was a great woman. She was, um, you know, a powerful woman. And I really want to highlight her because in our communities and just growing up, we seem to um, what I would call romanticize the civil rights movement. Mm. And we seem to see figures that were uh, what folks would consider more dignified or more educated or more presentable Mm -hmm. or, you know, as people that we should put in front of us. And that was a strategic move. Like we talked about before in another episode, dressing a certain way so that when the cameras caught black people, quote unquote, acting right and speaking right and looking (laughs) right, then, then it was getting beaten and all of that. Then people would have empathy. Mm. And what I think, when we look historically at those images and, and all of that that's left for us, it leaves us feeling as though we're inadequate to do anything because we don't deserve, because we don't speak a certain way or we don't come from a certain education or a certain background. And what I appreciate about having this um, legacy of a Fannie Lou Hamer is she leaves us this legacy of our grandmother, our parents or ourselves or our children or just people who, are just a regular person that was like, I'm not going to allow you to take my dignity. I'm going to stand in my humanity. I'm going to fight for myself. Mm, so deep. I just wanted to leave us with that. Did y'all have anything before I play this? Cause I wanted to play her. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. It's a little long clip is around three minutes and 41 seconds because it includes a little bit of Martin Luther King, but I kind of wanted to add that part to cause give us a, a sense of the era. All right. So, The testimony before the Prudentials Committee, the FDP had a lineup of very different people. They had Rita Schwerner, the widow of Mickey, who had been killed in Neshoba County. They had Martin Luther King. Everybody knew King. The seating of the delegation from the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party has political and moral significance far beyond the borders of Mississippi are the halls of this convention. But the highlight of the testimony was that of Fannie Lou Hamer. The sharecropper who had been evicted from her plantation had come to symbolize the Mississippi movement. Mr. Chairman, and to the Credentials Committee, it was the 31st of August in 1962 that 18 of us traveled 26 miles to the county courthouse in Indianola to try to register to become first-class citizens. We was met in Indianola with, by policemen. The president, Lyndon Johnson, he's not afraid of Martin Luther King's testimony. He's afraid of Fannie Lou Hamer's testimony. And so he decides that the country should not see her testify live. Johnson is in the White House, and he convened an impromptu press conference. We will return to this scene in Atlantic City, but now we switch to the White House and NBC's Robert Goralski. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. On this day, nine months ago. He did it knowing that they would break away, thinking he might announce who his choice of vice president was going to be. Instead, he gets up there and he announces, get this, he announces that it's nine months to the day since, since Governor Connolly, who was there, was shot along with President Kennedy. So he announced a nine-month anniversary. Everybody's scratching their heads. Thank you very much. And then he leaves. And by that time, Annie Lou Hamer's testimony was over. However, it backfired on Johnson because it became a story that she had been taken off television and in the news that night and for days afterwards, they replayed her testimony. I was carried to the county jail and put in the booking room. They left some of the people in the booking room and began to place us in sale. She had Mississippi in her bones. Martin Luther King or the SNCC field secretaries, uh, they couldn't do what Fannie Lou Hamer did. They couldn't be a sharecropper and express what it meant, right? And that's what Fannie Lou Hamer um, did. And it wasn't too long before three white men came to my cell. One of these men was a state highway patrol. He said, we're going to make you wish you were dead. Wow. So, Ooh-wee. that's Fanny Lou Hamer. <laughs> I wanted to um, look her up, you know, check her out. She's one of my heroes mm-hmm. or heroises or heroines. She rose. She rose. I mean, <laughs> I want, let me just, we got to put a little libations out for mm-hmm. her. She passed in um, 1977. Okay. Um. When I'm out here in the streets, (laughs) I mean, I'm carrying Fannie Lou Hamer on my back. Um, I'm standing on her shoulders. And I really appreciate having her as a part of the pantheon of our leadership that, you know, stood for dignity for black folks and help to create solutions and help train people from the ground up how to be leaders. You know, Mm. Um, this is the work that I'm doing. This, this is my belief. I believe that, you know, train people to fish, you know what I'm saying? Train people how to be leaders. People want to be self-determined and um, yeah. So um, that's powerful. Let's just give her, we're going to give her a little libation. Cool. Oh, but first we got to get rid of the commercial on our libations. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Capitalism's all I'm around us, ain't it? Yeah. Okay. So we gonna so let's start again. We wanna um we wanna honor and um give thanks to um Fannie Lou Hamer for paving the way. Thank you. Thank you. Ashe. Ashe. Yeah. It's powerful. I think we could kind of put a period here. Is that okay? Period. We can. Do y'all have more stuff? Any anything, any last words or any final closing statements? The body is self-healing. You just have to activate it. 
eat the right things, or at least go through waves of moderation yes. and eat the right things. Have a percentage, 80-20. If you slide to 60-40, know you where, where you need to be. With all this stuff going on, just take care of yourself. Please. <laughs> what about you, Deja? Um, I think I'm going to reiterate what Brittany said. We all just need to kind of take care of ourselves so that we can take care of each other. Mm. Mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that. Just take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's really good advice. I think for me, um, my last words are going to be come check out our show March 7th at um, we're having women in hip hop showcase annual um, women's month showcase at the Charles H. Wright museum. And this year our um, we're going to show our documentary. We're going to have my business partner, Nina Payne, and she's going to talk about her 20 years of experience of um, music management. Mm -hmm. We're also going to have our attorney, Stephanie Hammonds, who used to be Big Sean, Big Sean's attorney and some many others attorney. And she's going to talk about um, the legal aspects of being in the music business. We're going to have Esther Kim, who is going to talk about, you know, sponsorship and marketing mm-hmm. and music. And then um, we're going to have our feature performers. So we got Ellie San Diego, who's an amazing MC. Yes, she is. Sanasu. Beautiful poet. Yeah. Um, who's gonna be just really lighting up the energy. Frankie I think she, P. She kicked y'all off last year, so I did. Yes. With that beautiful song. Isn't she amazing? Yeah, she she set the whole tone of the show. Yeah. Then we gotta we gotta have her back. Um Frankie, Frankie P, P is coming back. <laughs> Favorite rapper so in the cold. city. Yeah. I love her. So and mm-hmm. Charity. Do y'all know Charity? Mm-hmm. Beautiful vocalist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's going to come work with us. I'm excited. DJ Problematic, Black Hottie. Yes. Is this cool, right? Is this exciting? You know her from on the scene, the DJ scene. Yeah, Yeah. I've seen her out a few times. She's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then um, our all-woman band, our all-woman hip-hop band, led by Aisha Ellis, our musical director. So Aisha. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be at the Charles H. Wright Museum. Guess how much tickets are? $20. $20. They're only 10 bucks. Shut up. They're only 10 bucks. $10. Yeah. $10. And it's a part of public programs because we want to bring this, you know, wonderful programming to you. Charles H. Wright Museum in Detroit, African American Museum in Detroit. Um, March 7th is going to be 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. So, you know, we need y'all to come out. Um, the ticket link is on our website. Wefoundhiphop.com forward slash WFHH showcase. So um, get your tickets, get them today and um, tell your friends and tell everybody that you got to come to the show and that they got to come to the show and it's going to be amazing. Um, And then I think that's pretty much it. I wanted to say that I really appreciate being on Detroit is different and check out Detroit is different dot com because that's where the blog is. And you can find out more stories that are going on in Detroit. Kari is doing a great job of telling all these stories. Shout out Kari. And then go to Detroit is different dot net. And that's where you're going to see the podcast and all of the different shows that are on the podcast network. And that's where you're going to check out and be able to listen to um, Piper Carter podcast. You're able to listen to it on all streaming networks, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, Google Play. But guess what? Because of Deja, we're now on Instagram. Yeah. 
So check us out, pc.podcast. I like that name, On Instagram. Too. Which one? PC, PC? Podcast. Really? It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool? Yeah. Okay, that's Deja. Deja <laughs> yeah. came up with that. That's what's up. I like that, Deja. Yeah, so check us out on the Instagram. Hit us up. You know, give us some messages. Let us know what you think. Please. Um, please. And yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, we want to engage with you more. We're still working to get this YouTube thing going. We had a couple technical difficulties, but we're we're working on it. It's it's it's, it's coming. It's coming, and um, yeah. So just keep listening, and we appreciate you. And we'll see you. Keep listening, and we'll see you next week. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify.